Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Osiris. And there it is. We are almost, almost, almost on Christmas break. But we are not yet. I still have a few work fires I got to put out. You still have to do some teaching. It is Brian and Megan. This is the Helping Friendly Podcast live coming at you 40 for 40. We are almost at the 40th of the 40th, but we're not quite there yet. We got another heater to prove that your late 30s can be a peak period in your life (laughs) for everyone out there scared of getting old. Today, we are talking... 2021 fish which is um a term a time of their overall career that just gets me super excited because it is proof that late bloomers are a real thing that peaking late in life is a true thing uh this is such an amazing year of fish i'm so excited to dive into this before we do that meg how are you doing here today how are you feeling as we are reaching the end of our journey I'm doing great. And I like this talk about late bloomers. I was a late bloomer. I looked very young, never really hit my stride till I was older. So I'm here for that. You're here for that. I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. We're all here for it. Uh, this was an amazing year of fish that we we're going to dive into here. And uh, just, I mean, I guess we should just get into it. Like, well, we have a few bit, bits of business to take care of, but just the excitement right. around this year. The band comes back. We talked last week about 2020 Fish. They played four shows in 2020. The year was obviously upended because of the global pandemic. Um, canceled their summer and potentially fall tours. We didn't really know if we were going to get a fall tour out of them at that point in time. When uh, they came back in 2021, I seem to remember this tour both summer and fall were announced 
I want to say simultaneously, or at least pretty close together. Um, they flipped some shows from summer 2020 into fall 2021 and then built a tour around that. People were just feeling excited for just the prospect of seeing fish after an entire year and a half indoors, watching shows, past webcasts. Um, there was just a lot of excitement around just purely seeing these guys walk on stage and then they came on stage and not only played again and played a full year's worth of shows but also played at an extremely high level which we are going to talk a lot about but before we do that megan we have a big event coming up a week from today a week from tomorrow i don't know exactly what dates are at this point in time it's the end of december i forget what's going on date wise um Tell me what's happening in New York City around the Fish New Year's Eve run. Yeah, so on the 29th, HF Pod is having an event with the Dude of Life Band. So we are going to be at Hill Country Barbecue, which is just a few blocks from MSG. And we're going to be there at 3 o'clock, doors open. And then RJ and I are going to do an HF Pod Live with Mike Relic. Uh, Mike Greenhouse from Relics. Benji mm. Eisen will be there. They're going to interview the Dude of Life band, and then the band's going to play from four to six. So a lot of fun stuff. Come hang out. It's a great way to support the pod, a great way to support Osiris and what we do. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to be hanging out there and still plenty of time to get to MSG, have your chicken sandwiches or have your, you know, slice of pizza, whatever you do on your way into MSG. And uh, yeah, hang out with us. It's going to be fun. You can get tickets. We'll put the link in the show notes. If I was in New York, I would be there. I'd probably be there on stage with you all, but I would go. Just you would definitely be there like... on stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish like you were fun. coming to New York. Yeah. That'd be so fun. It's going to be great. I know. I haven't been to an MSG New Year's Eve run since 2016. I really want to get back. There's something about the, the wintry wonderland of Manhattan around this time of year. Very, very... Excited for everyone, especially coming off of what has been a really awesome 2023. Uh, Really stoked for that. Um, We also have, just as a final announcement here before we get into the meat of all of this, uh, we are launching another series here in 2024. We can't just go back to talking about random shows, although we're going to do that a little bit in 2024. There will be some random shows that come in. Uh, We'll have some great interviews with guests. Um, We're going to kind of do a bit of a mix of classic HF pod as well as these series that uh, we really launched here this year with the 40 for 40 series. We are going to be counting down what we determine both scientifically and factually, astronomically, biologically, uh, (laughs) chemically, whatever it may be. Um, the top 25 fish tours of all time. And to do that, we need your participation, not just you, Meg, but all of you Mm -hmm. out there. Um, RJ has been posting relentlessly our uh, Google form where you can select your 25 favorite tours in fish history. You do that. We get the results. We are going to amass those results, look at what the big picks were, uh, what are the most popular tours, Are there is there anything that we aren't thinking about, and we're going to take those, review them, and we are going to do some uh, professional podcast ranking. And we're going to come up with a list of the 25 best tours in fish history. And then we're going to spend 25 episodes in 2024 going through those. Why is this tour so acknowledged? What is the defining sound of this? What are some of the best shows from this tour? What are some of the best jams? How do these tours impact fish history? There is something about 
the magic of a fish jam. There's something about the magic of a fish show. There's something about the magic of a run of shows, but there's really something about those tours where there's a defined sound, defined songs that really, really showcase who this band is at their best. And we are going to celebrate that throughout 2024. I can't wait. I'm really, really excited. I'm so excited about this project. 40 for 40 has been so amazing. And I worked so hard this year to kind of track the band. And it's been so amazing Mm -hmm. following this series and how much I've learned about the band and just seeing the fan reaction to it has been awesome. And I am just overwhelmed, a little intimidated, and also really excited about our project for next year because it's science and we get to bring in kind of a process that's been new to me. Like this is really something that I've started doing since I've started hanging out with you and RJ basically is like ranking things and thinking about art in a way that is different. And it's been really fun for me and kind of opened up so much more critical thinking into my music listening. And so I'm really excited to, uh, to do that with fish and rank, man, we're going to rank. I'm so excited. We're going to rank. It's going to be controversial. There are going to mm-hmm. be right opinions. There are going to be wrong opinions. There are going to be, <laughs> some in-between opinions you know it's just it's going to be a ton of fun ultimately for me uh i like lists because it just encourages debate i don't think that there's anyone who can ever say like this is the definitive you know everybody has their definitives i think for us it's just going to be where are where's our headspace at what do we think um you know, when you when you're really getting into like the 23rd versus the 18th best tour, how do you really tell the difference between this? Right. It's just a way for us to create controversy and debate. So it should be a ton of fun. If you haven't voted, um, the link will be in the show notes as well. RA has been posting the link on Twitter uh, religiously. Um, I guess it's X, so he's been Xing the link out to you mm. all. Uh, we're going to keep that live until January 12th, at which point it will close for good, and we will go into the back room and um, the Wizard of Oz, uh, you know, type of stuff. Behind the curtain, we will be figuring out the overall list here. So, oh, the HF Pod back room. I can't wait to see what that looks like. <clears throat> it is sometimes a white room it is other times um you know shrouded in velvet i don't know it's it's a fun room Ooh, to hang out in. padded for sure for sure very much padded <laughs> i think that's all the business that we need to get out of the way let's dive into this 2021 is kind yeah. of a beast i spent mm-hmm. a lot of the last week listening through these jams you and i were talking about some of our favorite jams let's kind of look at this from a broad standpoint, where were you at, uh, in 2021 Meg and what are your kind of your memories of both life at that point in time, as well as fish? I was really immersed in fish in 2021 and I spent most of the year figuring out how I could get on this podcast. So I really had like (laughs) a focused, uh, a focused goal. And I was thinking a lot about fish coming back. And I remember that first show, and streaming the first summer show. And I was streaming it on a, I was on a family vacation with, with another family and nobody else there was into fish. And I I said, I don't care what's happening this afternoon or tonight. I am streaming this fish Mm -hmm. show tonight. And I sat out, we were at a lake house. I sat out on the, by the lake and I had a beer. And the minute they came on stage, I just burst into tears. I think I was so relieved to see that like fish had survived the pandemic, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. this band that I really have gotten back in touch with over these last few years was, was ready to come and deliver. And it was so exciting watching that summer tour. I saw, um, two nights at Hershey, 
which I came on the pod because I begged to come on and talk to them. And I got to talk to you after night two, mm-hmm. which was super fun. And then um, I saw the last night at Atlantic City, which was not planned. I didn't have any friends going. I was with some friends up in Massachusetts and we were streaming the show um, on the second night of Atlantic City. And they opened with Slow Llama. And I was like, mm. fuck it. I'm not doing anything tomorrow. Like my kids are in summer camp. I'm going to drive five hours down to Atlantic City. And my friend I was with, she's like, I can't go, but I have a friend there that you can meet up with and you can stay with. And there was like a flurry of text messages. And all of a sudden the next day, I was driving by myself to Atlantic City to meet up with someone I'd met once before, stayed in her hotel room and had the best time. Yeah, it was on the beach. I'd never seen fish on the beach before. It was dirty and gross like Atlantic City is, but just so fun. And as I'm dancing there, during, I think it was the You Enjoy Myself at the end of set one, I look over and I realize, oh my God, that's my friend that I used to do fish tour with in the 90s that I haven't seen in over oh, 20 wow. years. And oh, at wow. set break, I went up to her and I was like, Erica, is that you? And we both just flipped out. And then we got to dance together for the whole second set. And I was like, I knew I was supposed to come here. And it was just <laughs> one of those like magic things. So like, that's the only fish I saw this year. And I was, I joined the pod in the fall or December. Um, and I was, we spent, you and I spent all of December talking twice a week about MSG and December fish and what the holiday run means. And I was beyond excited for those MSG shows. So when they got canceled, it was devastating. It's just, it was going to be my first run, like after being on the pod. And I was just, I was so excited. So that was a tough ending, but we still had fun and we got to podcast about it anyway. So it was fun. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's your breakdown really kind of describes what a lot of 2021 felt like in a lot of ways. Like um, we talked last week in 2020 that the shock of everything shutting down, there was like the sentiment around Mexico where it was like, are we going to be seeing fish this summer? Like this thing seems to be getting really bad. Everything shut down in early March and, you know, fish defined a lot of that year through dinner and the movies, um, through all the music that they released so that we would have stuff to consume and listen to and talk about online through the beacon jams, so on and so forth. Going into 2021, you know, I remember at the end of 2020, knowing the vaccines were on their way, um, that things were going to start opening up again. Uh, Tours were starting to be announced uh, for 2021. And once Fish announced their tour, it was like, okay, we are back. This is happening. I, I still remember we had the option in 2020 when they canceled the tour to just hold our Dick's tickets or oh, yeah. cancel them and get a refund. And so when they announced it, I was like, oh my God, I basically just got three free fish tickets. Like I had just completely forgot. Yeah, yeah. It was just transferred to 2021. Um, and I ultimately decided that year to do some fall tour shows. Um, I did uh, San Francisco night one with RJ. Uh, we did a live show out in um, kind of the pavilion setup that um, unfortunately celebrates the Golden State Warriors and Steph Curry. Um, I will talk <laughs> more about my feelings on that team. Uh, uh, on our NBA podcast. Um, but then I went to Phoenix, Chula Vista, and uh, LA. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the best fish I've ever seen in my entire life. I got to ride the rail at Chula Vista. Um, That's insane. That is a show that I've, I've only listened to that show twice since then because it's kind of one of those, like, I just want the magic to be preserved for the moment. And I, I went back Wait, and listened what? to a bit of it preparing for this. Mm-hmm. 
I, I just not it, it know was that. too. You've only it listened good. to it twice. It was too good. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, only on I the, love on the, that. Uh, anniversaries. Yeah, wow. I, uh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it was fun. I was I was I got to tour with uh, one of my best friends, Ben Greenfield. Um, the rental car agency that I rented a car from messed up and gave me a convertible, so I got to drive through the desert in a convertible, <laughs> yes. just blasting twenty twenty one jams. It was just a great time. Uh, early in twenty twenty one, my daughter was born, um, and in May of twenty twenty one. I left my job and I started working full time at Osiris and was able to podcast. And with Fish coming back, I had this sentiment of like, I don't care what they play. I don't care what they do. I don't Mm. care how they sound. Kind of like you, I just want to see these guys on stage. And the first show in Arkansas was rough. Um, But I kind of was like, they deserve a show to just kind of get back into the groove of things. And I was on vacation with my family, seeing uh, my family down in Southern California. And so I was kind of like, I was listening to the shows, but I wasn't like as active as I would be. And I was kind of just like, I just want to give these guys time to get going. And I still remember that Sunday night they were playing in Alpharetta. And a buddy of mine texts me and goes, what the hell is going on? And I was like, I'm not <laughs> streaming. I don't, I don't know what's happening. He was like, I have no idea how they're making the sounds on the stage during this tweezer right now. And when that show posted, I listened to that yes. tweezer and I was just like, this is a totally different ball game than what we were ready for. Like uh, we were all just happy for fish to come back, but they came back with a vengeance. I, uh, I want to ask you like, before we get into all the nitty gritty here, like, that transition from I'm just excited for fish to come back to mm-hmm. fish is here to prove something fish is here on a mission. What was that like for you as you were really re-embracing fish coming back that year? Well, it's interesting because the first show I saw since the pandemics, I hadn't seen them since, you know, 12, 30, 2019. And then I see the first night of Hershey, which was okay. You know, those Hershey shows were just okay. Um, and but seeing night them two was really stage, good. Night two was night two was interesting and better. But night one, it was fine. I think they opened with first tube, which to me was like really fun. But the vibe was interesting too because you know I don't know if people felt this way, but remember like you were going to shows and you were still worried about getting COVID a little bit. Like you know it was like would the vaccines really work? Like you know are we going to bring home all this stuff to our families? Like there was just a lot of that. And I remember we were in the parking lot and we had just set foot on lot. Like we haven't seen fish in. 18 months. And my friend and I are just like, yes, like we're getting the grilled cheese. We're getting the beer. We're just like, it's summer. Like, yes. You know, we're so excited. And then we ran into someone who I'm not going to name. He's like kind of like a fish micro celebrity. And he was like, oh my God, everyone has COVID. And I was like, what? (laughs) And my friend was like, what? And she immediately like got her mask out of her bag. And I'm like, it's okay. We're outside. And we were like, no. And we were just, I remember being so mad at him. Like, you've been on tour. Like we just got on tour. Like don't scare us. Like, so the whole time in that show, I kept like, my friend was really worried and was like not wanting to be in the mix. And I was like in the mix and then feeling like bad that I was, you know, maybe getting COVID. It was just a very weird time. And I think that like to see it kind of move away from that and the band start to play like better and better. And then the fall become this like just monster tour that I streamed like so much of and listened to the show. If I couldn't stream it the next morning, like I was just so immersed in it and realizing that this band could peak like this again, it completely blew me away. I mean, this fall tour, I don't, I don't get 
like a ton of FOMO when I'm not at a show, unless I'm like supposed to be there, you know, if I'm like supposed to be there, sure. I have to miss it and I would, but otherwise I'm like, there's going to be so many shows. I get to see a lot of fish. I don't feel bad about it. This fall tour, I had a lot of FOMO about like a lot. I think the Chula Vista show definitely. And then this number show, it was just for me, both of those shows were shows I would have killed to be in the room for. So it was like that buildup of feeling like I just didn't, I, I knew that they would get back to being great, but I didn't think they would be this great again. I mean, the shows I saw in 2019 were really good. I saw like some of the best shows that year just happened to like land on them. So for me, I had like a bit of a skewed vision about how they were in 2019, but I never expected them to play this well. I was the same way. I, and I didn't think that you could properly have expectations for this year because it right. was so much like the joy of them coming back was the thing. And then it, we talked about this um, last week, like the band was clearly woodshedding and was had a bunch of cabin fever coming out of 2020 and early 2021. And, you know, Trey's got this new pedal and he's got a ton of ideas and they have some new songs that they want to bring to the, to the table. Um, and some songs that are going to have some really good jamming potential almost immediately. Um, and it just felt as though when they, <clears throat> there's that, uh, video of Alpharetta night one, they play Chalk Dust Torture. And as they're coming to the end of Chalk Dust Torture, Trey just goes like this. And he just like, <laughs> he just motions the band like off, you know, we're off and running. And um, he kind of is smiling. And I remember it turned into like a gif uh, that summer. But like that sentiment kind of defined where the band's headspace was at at this point in time. Like they wanted to just it wasn't enough for them to just take the stage and play music again. What they needed to ultimately do was really give themselves, you know, risks and opportunities and chances. And that just kind of built upon itself in a lot of ways. And listening back to this year, there's just a lot of freedom and there's a lot yeah. of risk taking and there's a lot of uh, spontaneity. That is one of the things that we love about this band, but is one of those things that, sometimes you get that in heavier doses and it felt like mm -hmm. this year, this year specifically the band not only felt the joy of taking the stage again, but also felt a desire to be like, look at, let's just see what we can do. And, um, a lot of that comes out of, you know, the peaks of 2013, 2015, 2017, but also we talked about it in 2018 and 2019, you were hearing the band just be like, okay, what happens after the peak in the jam? What is mm -hmm. next? And this year it felt like they were just diving headstrong into that. Um, yeah. I think it was a combination we... too, just before we move on, I think it was a combination of that hunger and like, you know, when you take something away and you can't do something you love and yeah. that desire for it, and then you can get it, you get it back. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh shit, I have this. Like, I just, I think they felt that. And also that combination of like sci-fi soldiers and all those sounds and all these like new ideas and this playfulness. And then something else I think that made a big difference for fall was I really think that JFAT tour where Fishman joined the tab shows when like everybody was dropping out was just, I saw two of those shows at Radio City and it was some of the best tray I've ever seen. It was just so unbelievable. I got to talk to you about it, which was super fun. And it was just, I think that affected the fall tour too, because they were so loose and wild and just so fun on that tour. 
That's a great call. And and just one other thing to like, you know, nail in that you said really well, like they've, they'd taken two breaks prior to this. They took the hiatus mm-hmm. in 2000 when they felt like, okay, what else can we do after big Cypress? We've, we've already climbed this mountain. We've achieved all of our goals. We're at an age now where it would probably behoove us to like, take a step back examine who we are, try some things independently. We've all been together since we were 18. And then they came back together. Things didn't totally work out. Check out HF pod, uh, 40 for 40, 2003 and 2004 for more information there. Um, they yeah. broke up. We thought that they were done. Um, actually thought it was over. They came back. This was the first time that there was a break that was implemented by someone other than them. This was a break that was kind of forced upon them. And so they were in a really good place. Now, when we listen back in hindsight, I hear personally throughout 2019, a need to kind of take just maybe six months off. Who knows what it is? It ended up being 18 months. I think ultimately it was a good thing. And I think to your point, this got taken away from them that when they finally got it back, it wasn't so much a all right, let's figure out who fish is again. It was, let's just dive in as deep as possible. Yeah, I totally agree. So I think we should move right now to Meg's corner. We've been talking about 2021 as kind of a big picture here, but um, tell us what is 2021 fish? Okay. So there's going to be 35 shows this year. And of course, MSG shows were canceled because of Omicron. So they are going to come back. So the Mexico in February 2020 is the last time they'll play all the way until July 2021. Um, they'll play the summer tour where they play, you know, a night each in Arkansas and Alabama, and then two nights in Alpharetta. Then they're going to hit Nashville, Deer Creek, Hershey, Atlantic City, the Gorge, and do those shoreline shows, which were rescheduled for the Tahoe shows from the Wildfire. Whoa, those shows. And then, of course, they're going to go to Dick's to end the summer. And then we have this monster fall tour, which is Sacramento, San Francisco, Eugene, Phoenix, Chula, the Forum, Santa Barbara, and ending in Vegas with this run, which we get to talk about today. Trey is also going to do some shows live from the Rubber Jungle, his home studio, which are going to play on Sirius XM in May and one in July as well. He's also going to play some acoustic shows that summer. Oysterhead's going to play one show at the Peach Festival as a reschedule. And the Tab of All Tour, as I mentioned, would become infamous as band members just tested positive for COVID and just were dropping like flies. And Trey was playing acoustic by himself one night. And then Fish came to the rescue and played those last four shows of that run, which are just epic. And if oh, people have oh not God. heard those shows, I mean, you must, you must. They're wild and incredible. And listening to like Fish and Desron and Trey, it's just, it's unbelievable. Um, Mike and Leo Kaki are going to do a tour that December, kind of right at the bitter end um, before um, Omicron really hits. Also, Fish did some dinner and a movies this year. They did one in January, February, March, April, May, and June. They did some really fun ones too, and they played the Game Hen show, which is so fun. And then they also played over Thanksgiving weekend, they played the Clifford Ball. And then, of course, they did the last one that they've done was at um, New Year's Eve at Rockletit's The Ninth Cube, which was sad and kind of wonderful all at the same time. For this year for music, there's going to be 22 debuts. So the sci-fi soldier songs, of course, and important songs like A Wave of Hope, Evolve, Lonely mm-hmm. Trip, 
And a great Mike song debuts this year, Mall. So exciting. Great, great Mike song. It's a great Mike song. We have yeah. the new kind of releases that are going to come out, the new LPs on LPs. So we've got the Ruby Waves from Alpine Valley coming out on vinyl and also the Bethel Tech Waves coming out on vinyl this year, which is super cool. We also have five archival releases. So there's a lot of them, just like last year. A lot of them are shows that were played for dinner and a movie. So they're going to release a bunch of those. Mm -hmm. Two of my favorite shows that I've ever seen live, July 23rd, 97, Lakewood in Atlanta, and July 19th, 1995 in Deer Creek. And they're also going to release the Game Hen Show in 93 uh, from Great Woods. And then there's two live baits that are going to come out this year. And Paige is going to release an album that I love. It's my favorite thing that he's ever released solo, which is Maybe We're the Visitors. Just Great, great album. Oh, God. I remember this album, playing this album in the winter and just playing it over and over again. It's just such a vibe. It's like ambient, gorgeous, beautiful. I love it. So good. Also, a big thing that happened this year is Trey got a new guitar. So in January 2021, Trey has explained that his new Languedoc that he got is similar to his 96 and 02 Koa guitars, but it has no plastic on it. So it's all hardwood, and it's the 10th Languedoc he has owned, and he calls it the 4.0 guitar, crowning officially this era, the 4.0 era. He's the one who said it. We didn't he make this it. up. We we <laughs> just responded to what Trey said. Yeah. So it's official. It was a big year. And it was a year that um with the way it ended with MSG being rerouted to uh spring twenty twenty two. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McLean. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Numbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey listeners, I want to tell you about one of our great partners, DistroKid. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. If you're a musician and looking to get your music out there, DistroKid is the way to go. DistroKid is available for iOS and Android and is now available in Apple's App Store and the Google Play Store. More than a million artists rely on DistroKid to get their music onto Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all other major streaming services. And with DistroKid, you can upload new releases, see your financial progress, get notified when you've earned royalties, withdraw money from the app, view and share links, check your streaming stats, and a whole lot more. DistroKid has more features than any other music distributor. Check them out today. Go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash helping friendly. That's distrokid with a capital K dot com slash VIP slash helping friendly for a special offer. Thanks, DistroKid. It, 
you know, sour last note. Um, I think that the band did the absolute best that they could with the Rock Lilith show um, that happened on New Year's Eve. I know as a fan who had been, um, you know, pretty used to webcasting shows and had watched all the Beacon Jam shows, like it was both fun and also um, there was like an endearing aspect of the band playing in front of no one. And I, I really yeah. remember feeling like a lot of love for the guys because I don't think they had to do that. And it yeah. was very clear that like the fish experience and the fish vibe needs fans. Like it's not a studio presentation <laughs> yeah. in a lot of ways. Um, like the beacon jams worked just based on the way that those shows flowed and the amount of time Trey took talking. Like you could see early on, he was trying to get into his beacon jams kind of call and response <laughs> totally. to the audience. But then it was also like, this doesn't really happen to the fish show. Fish show is all about like, the energy and you know and how things evolve and how um you know one jam leads into another jam oddly enough it's the last time that we've heard time turns elastic but um great everything that they played up until then (laughs) everything they played up until then though they got everything that they could out of four months worth of music including those Mm -hmm. j fat shows um 2021 was also about a few other things. It was not just about fish. And we're going to share a little bit here. Um, I'm going to move into pop culture corner and share with you a bit about what was going on television-wise, movie-wise, and music-wise, because this is a really good year. Um, it's an it's an odd year in the fact that uh, we're still seeing impacts, especially on the movie and television side from uh, the, the pandemic. Um, but we are starting to see things start to reemerge. Within television, we got a bunch of really good documentaries. We got some great new television shows. The White Lotus uh, was Mm. introduced to us in summer 2021. My favorite show from that uh, year. So Um, good. Really good. Uh, Station 11 debuted. Succession Mm. came back with season three that picked up after a crazy ending to the second season. Uh, Reservation Dogs started up. I Think You Should Leave came back for its second season. And then we got three great documentaries. Ken Burns did one on Ernest Hemingway. We got the Woodstock 99 doc that came out and showed just how insane and disgusting uh, that overall festival was. And um, in late November, right over Thanksgiving weekend, the best time to embrace and understand the Beatles, we got an eight-hour Beatles documentary, the Get Back documentary, one of my favorite documentaries I've ever seen. I watched it all that weekend. We did a huge podcast about it here at Osiris, uh, just like totally immersed in that, just hanging out with the Beatles uh, for eight hours. Like, please sign me up. I will do it all the time. Have you seen that? That was so cool. Yeah. I watched it with my parents who were massive Beatles fans. And it was so fun because I've, you know, I'm obviously I like the Beatles, but I've never like been one of those like rabid Beatles fans. And it was so cool to watch it with my parents, my mom, who was like somebody who was like the age when like, she was like a teenager during the Beatles. So for her, it was just like, you know, this was huge to her. And so it was really fun to watch it with them. It was awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. I don't like, uh, you know, there've been a lot of really, they're, they're so exposed in a lot of ways and there's documentaries about every aspect of them, but to just hang out with them for eight hours, there was nothing like it. It was the best. Yeah. Um, movie wise, we got, uh, this is like, 
like Netflix and Apple TV are starting to take over the movies. We're going to get an Apple TV movie to win Best Picture in 2021 in Coda. This is kind of, um, we're starting to see movies slowly but surely coming back. We had some great ones, though. Uh, the Dig came out early in the year. Great Carrie Mulligan performance. Uh, Summer of Soul, speaking of documentaries, great, great movie about um, uh, um, the festival in uh, in in New York in the, in the 60s. Um, the Last Duel, a movie I just saw, excellent movie. Brad Pitt and Matt Damon reunite in the 14th century France. It's just incredible stuff. Uh, the Velvet Underground documentary came out. Todd Haynes can do no wrong, and he put that out. That is like one of the best ways to understand the Velvet Underground on screen. Uh, the first of the uh, Denis the Wave uh, Dune movies came out. The French Dispatch, The Power of the Dog, Kim Richard, which uh, Will Smith won Best Actor for after punching out uh, Chris Rock on stage. Uh, House of Gucci, Licorice Pizza, an absolutely wonderful film. Don't Look Up, uh, not a wonderful film. Uh, Nightmare Alley and Drive My Car. It was a kind of up and down year for movies, but uh, we're slowly but surely coming back. Once we get to this 2023, man, we've got some great movies this year. Did you see anything yeah, good I in 2021? Well, you know, I didn't really love Licorice Pizza. What? Yeah, because oh I didn't like Alana Haim in it. I so someone loved just her. her. Oh my no, god! Thank I you, came to play. I'm right there good. with you, man. I don't really? think she was good in it. She just, I just didn't believe her. Yeah, okay. I don't know what it was. I mean, it was her first her. performance. Yeah, I mean, I also have like a thing, like all these Nepo babies who are like, I'm going to act, I'm going to sing, I'm going to, I don't know, which is fine. I mean, we would all do it if we could, but I just, I feel like you have to be really good if you're going to get it that way. And I just don't think she's that good. Mm, I love the camera on her. She just had that magic. I, and I just loved hanging out mm -hmm. with, in mid seventies, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's yeah. mind. Did you like Cooper Hoffman? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, great. anything in the seventies, I'll watch anytime. Cause it's my favorite decade, anything. but yeah, especially high school in the seventies. I don't know why I had this like weird fantasy about high school in the seventies. It just seems like so fucking awesome. Like there just seemed to be like a, a freedom and it's so Americana to think about like being, you know, dazed and confused is one of my favorite movies. Like this, this idea of being a teenager in the seventies just, just hits me. Right. Yeah. Like your parents didn't care where you went. Every yeah. car could be fixed with like a wrench. Everybody <laughs> smoked. Um, Everybody smoked. Yeah, it was great. You had like, hangout spots smoked. left and right. Yeah, um, like now if a mom smokes, like you're like going to be like, you know, burned at the stake. Like moms could smoke, smoked. teachers could smoke, like anybody could smoke. It was just like, it's fine. Loved it. Yeah, it's an interesting period of time. And the movies, oh my God, the movies from that era are just amazing. Um yeah. Music too, which also there was good music that came out here in 2021. Um, Floating Points, Ferris Sanders, and the London Symphony Orchestra put out Promises. Uh, Turnstile put out Glow On. Japanese Breakfast put out Jubilee, one of my favorite records of that year. Uh, the Weather Station's Ignorance, Emdu Mokhtar's Freak Victim, Cassandra Jenkins' An Overview on Phenomenal Nature, one of my favorite album titles. Uh, an album I know you loved, uh, Snail Mail's Valentine's came out. Yeah. Uh, the the last low record, Hey What, came out. Uh, their companion to Double Negative, one of my favorite records of 2021. Uh, Yasmin Williams, Urban Driftwood, The War on Drugs, their last record, I Don't Live Here Anymore, came out. Olivia Rodrigo's Sour, 
Riley Walker's Course and Fable, which was my favorite record of 2021, Steve Gunn's Other You, and Bad Bad Not Good's Talk Manor talk memory in addition to a lot of other albums really really good year for music what 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 struck you musically in 2021 besides fish yeah i mean i think a lot of what you said i love that steve gunn album i think that the snail mail album and the japanese breakfast i mean she she was everywhere japanese breakfast like everywhere that year whenever mm-hmm. i think of that year like, she that's a memoir. yeah she was just so like present in in the music scene so that's what I think about when I think about that year. The first Jonathan Hart album, the first J.M. Hart album came yes. out in 2021 as well. Our, our wonderful co-host who could not be here today, um, he picked this show. Uh, he he is the reason we were talking about this, and he put out a really good album in 2021 as well. Yeah, it was a great year. Like It felt like, it felt like we were still half in 2020 in a lot of cases, but live music was coming back and a lot of the lingering issues uh, that were caused by the pandemic um, uh, spilled over into this year, but there was fish. And as we've talked about for the first 30 minutes of this episode, it was a really, really great year. Um, Since Jonathan's not here, uh, let's, you and I, why do you think that we are talking about this show when there are so many other phenomenal shows that could have been picked in 2021. What are your, what are your thoughts on why we're talking about this show? To me, this show is the perfect example of what fish does really well with self-imposed limitations. Like this, the Mm. flow of this show is unbelievable. There's, it's a gag show, but I feel like that's insulting because what it accomplishes is a set list, which they had planned out, but was the flow in between all the songs. Like it is so beautiful. I was listening again to, I mean, the whole, the whole show is incredible, but I was listening again to the second set this afternoon and it is just, it's seamless. Like everything just flows from one to the next. And I think as Jonathan was saying, he was there, which we know that's why you pick one of the 40 for 40 shows. And also it, it is so fun. There's such an element of joy and like the band knowing they're doing this, the grind encore, you know, there's just, it's so much fun. And I can only imagine what it was like in the room. And I feel like this is one of those shows that you listen to and you can hear the crowd just, just going wild and being so engaged in it. And when you hear them play, backwards down the number line and sing that song. Let's take a, or sing that line. Let's take a ride backwards down the number line. And you hear the crowd. I just feel like this is, they lose lose it. it. And it's like, yes, like the band has found a way for you to lose it during the song that people complain about. It's just so genius. And everything about the show is perfectly executed. And it's somehow like filled with jams, even though it's just like a gag show. It's so great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I echo all of that. I think, you know, a lot of what we talked about early on, just in the sense that there was a underlying joy that the band was simply just back. And then we realized that there were a lot of clear goals that the band seemed to have. And there was a lot of intentionality behind the plane. And there was a lot of risk taking. All of that kind of is coalesced in this show where you have um, a determination to play a specific set list, much like the Jamfield show that we talked about in 2017, much like the Fuck Your Face show from Dick's 2012, a few others um, of note. Um, 
but that they allowed themselves the freedom that came within that limitation to jam, to play, um, uh, to play uh, uh, with kind of abandonment, to play with uh, just like a ton of uh, energy and a bunch of creativity, all that sort of stuff happened within this overall show. Um, I, uh, so when I was planning out this year touring, I wanted to do a fish tour. My wife wanted to do a fish tour. And so we talked about, I would do the Southwest, uh, fish shows and then she would watch the kids that weekend. And then she would go and go to Las Vegas and I would watch the kids. And it's kind of the one example of like both of us won because I remember watching the show and feeling a sense of FOMO, but also being like, how awesome is it that she is here? Like I just got to see all these really good fish shows and now she's seen what this is like live and in the moment. Um, just an awesome, awesome, uh, trade off an awesome experience. Let's dive into this. Do you want to read, um, set one for us so that we can, uh, we can talk through this. Yeah. Before we do though, I want to play a voicemail from a listener that, that we really love and someone that is, special to the pod. So I'm going to play this right now. Just make sure I have the right one. Oh no, it's not. Let me check. Okay, here we go. Hey guys, it is your boots on the ground, Las Vegas local, Justin. I'm actually in the work parking lot. I can see the fear off distance. Uh, if anyone has extras for April, hook me up. <laughs> I got shut out. Anyway, great on Need the to take it. show. Great tour. Great year. Is this a top five tour of all time? Top 10 tour of all time? I guess we'll talk about that next year. But Find out. as we went 2001 opener on night one, which is the perfect spot to have 2001, in my opinion, and got into 1999, I thought, wait a minute, two number songs in a row? What's up? <laughs> and, you know, my suspicions were confirmed. Although, I, as each song was played, was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I could not guess what songs were, were coming next. I love the connection <laughs> between the total number uh, of this show and how they tied that into the sci-fi soldiers set. Night two was spectacular. Uh, just a real spectacle, even though perhaps Casbot Vox, you know, the music uh, was a little longer lasting, stands the test of time more. Uh, this is just a, a great sort of spirited run just uh, from start to finish. So much fun, uh, although uh, unlike everyone else who saw these shows and travels to Las Vegas, I actually had to duck out of the Halloween encore a little early to go home, shower, and turn around and come back to work. So, not a very Vegas. <laughs> you guys thought on the show. Keep up the good work. Oh, thanks, Justin. It. It's so awesome. First of all, I don't know. I think like going all night at a show and then going straight to work is pretty Vegas. Like that's pretty badass. and props up to you, Justin. I think that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. He, and I saw the entire 2018 run with him and he is, there's no joke. He, he comes to the show. He is there. He is fully into it, fully invested. And then he shakes your hand, gives you a hug, goes home and you turn on the news and he is on television the next morning. It's absolutely insane. I don't know how he does it, but, um, oh you know, it's, it's, it's amazing work by the dude. That's commitment. I love it. Thanks, Justin. All right. I'm going to read us set one. So I just want to say what's crazy about this show is that there are nine jam chart entries for this show. What? Yeah. That's bonkers. Okay. 
Set one is 2001 into 1999, into 555, into 46 days, strawberry letter 23, into 20 years later. I mean, there's only one song in that set that is not jam charted. It's insane. It's so crazy. A (laughs) six song first set. Like it just makes me go. And I have to say, before we get into this, Brian, I can't tell you the number of times I have played this 2001 into 1999. You know, it's my shit for sure, because it, it's my stuff, but the way that the energy and just the absolute throwdown that this first 30 minutes of music is, I have gone on so many runs to this. I have danced alone in my kitchen to this. I've put this on when I'm getting ready to go out. This is just, this is my fish. It's so good. This is the first time that 2001 opened a show since 9-22-99 is only opened wow. six fish shows in history. Um, bunch of those were in the early nineties as it was first, uh, debuting notably the first drum beat does not appear on the live fish tape until two minutes and 18 seconds. It's just sonic noise walls of sound. And at this point in time, you know, the show prior to this, they opened with a 20 minute pebbles and marbles. The show prior to that, they played a 25 minute. You enjoy myself in the second or third slot of the show. Um, the show prior to that, they opened with an 18 minute fluff head into a 17 minute in ICU. They were kind of, they could do anything at this point Mm -hmm. in time and they were just letting it all hang out and it kind of feels like you know as i was listening back to this like there's just since almost immediately from page in this 2001 the band just sounds loose they sound confident they sound like they're having a ton of fun at some point during the end of 2001 as it's fading to 1999 trey steps the mic and quotes prince and says we're not gonna hurt you we just want to have some fun which just like sets the tone to justin's point like this whole run is there ever like aside from maybe the baker's dozen like this is the most interconnected run in fish history where every show seems to have like calls and tributes and and little hints of what's going to come um and, and diversions and moments where you know the whole um what was it? The the little squirrel, whatever it was called, yeah. uh, that they, they kept doing um, the hello, how are you? You know, good. We hope you have a great time. Like that was filtering throughout the tour. Like there were all these diversions to make fans jump online and read more about fish history. <laughs> and like here they are opening with 2001 into 1999, which was the first in 72617, uh, the third ever at this point in time. I mean, it just was like that magic of we have no idea what this band is going to play. We have no idea how they're going to play. It happens during the first two songs in a way that I don't personally think had happened like this since the jam filled show. Yeah, I agree. I think they come out and they just sound so engaged and communicative, like right away. I mean, this is like 17 minutes of just pure funk. Like, you know, to be able, like to be able to play that when you open a show of just like really like, really just delicious funk and it's 14 minutes before they even build into the song. Like you don't get that first big crescendo build until 14 minutes in synth madness. Yes. All the time. I think 2001 is like the best opener ever. Like this is, it needs to be done more because it's just instantly throws you into the show. And then the 1999 jam gets so dramatic. It's, it is like piano and it just has this like 
dramatic feel to it. And I kept thinking that during the show that like all of these jams sound super different. Like they all are so unique in their own way. Cause then you get a 555, which jams. Yes, please. I saw a jammed out version after this in Atlantic city the next summer. I mean, it wasn't this yeah. good, but it was good. It was good. It was really good in the first set too, but this is like cool and eerie. And there's this like, before seven minutes, it's like really, really pretty, like right before a seven minute mark. And Trey sounds so effortless and maybe it's the new guitar, but the tone in 2021 is like absolutely perfect for me. This is like how I want Trey to always sound. This is the first time the song hit the jam charts. It's almost 10 minutes. It's cool because they obviously knew they had to stretch stuff out. So again, it's like the Baker's Dozen in that way. Like, okay, we're only going to play this certain amount of songs for the whole show. So like stuff's going to get stretched. And the fact that they decided to do it in the first set is cool. Or maybe they weren't even planning on that. Maybe they had, you know, were planning to do eight songs in the first set and only needed to do six. I don't know, but it's, Mm -hmm. and then the 46 days, five minutes in, they're already in like a synthy spacey place. They've got this is just a masterclass in layers and textures. And when I was listening and I realized that they hit that tweezer 12, 30, 19 moment, it's like one, 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 one. And they hit that right at like 635. You can hear Trey immediately change it. Like, oh, I've, I've played this before. <laughs> I don't know if he knew that or something, but it's like so cool that he hits that and then moves away from it. But Trey has that long sustain at the end of this. And then it's a really smooth entry back into the song. I think this 46 days is a cool jam and all of the jams in this whole whole set are so different and then you know you've got like the strawberry letter 23 which is like the song that doesn't jam and then you've got just an epic 20 years later where fisherman just drives the jam and just relentless pace they don't sound like they're ready to end the set at all they sound like they could just keep playing you made a point that i think is really interesting like um the idea of uh none of these jams sound like these songs would typically sound when they jam. Like 46 days is a song that not every time jams, but when it does, it kind of doesn't follow like a formula, but like, you know, there's a move into like a bliss zone and then it peaks in a lot of ways. Um, 1999, uh, you know, has jammed, twice um and each time it's jammed it's kind of got or the first time it went into kind of like a rock peak this one goes into like a little bit more of like a kind of like 70s americana like there's like these rolling uh, grand piano like you were talking about there's just like beautiful riffs from trey um <clears throat> like the 555 it it moves into this very bright period in time and then it kind of like gets aggressive and it has this very funky breakdown for me, the highlight is the 46 days of this overall set, but it does make me think a lot about like why these shows are so special. They're kind of rare in a lot of cases. Mm. Um, the, the band just diving full head first into every song has to jam because ultimately you get a lot of moments where the band is almost in uncharted waters and they have to keep it going from just a pure time standpoint. They're going to play between 65 and 85 minutes from a set listing standpoint. Um, and so they know they kind of have to hit that. Um, but it, 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 it's both challenging. It's unfamiliar. It's not like when, um, you know, you're listening to just kind of like your standard fish show and down disease, 
ends up being like the surprise jam vehicle in set one. And it's a cool jam, but it's a downward disease jam. You've heard a lot of downward disease jams and maybe they find like a really cool pocket of space, but overall, like you're not in the most unfamiliar terrain, at least today mm-hmm. because of the nature of this show. Like listening back to it, I was just like, it. there are times where, I don't almost, I almost don't even know like what era of fish I'm listening to because they're kind of like picking mm. from all these different aspects of their history in a way that like, like when you listen to the 20 years later, um, they go into like two versions of me style jamming. They go back into like almond style jamming. There's this like ping pong riff that Trey plays before uh, bringing back the Jedi pedal. The synths are going crazy. They're very ominous at a point in time. There's kind of this like dueling nature between Trey and Paige with Trey playing the Jedi pedal. Um, they go to like very like close to silence around 1445. And then that like rises up again before going back into 20 years later. It's just a very unique jam in a way that like I can't imagine is easy for them yeah. to play. And I, I would imagine it's why we don't get these shows all the time. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And even like if you think about the 2001, like that's such a 97 jam. You know, this like just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. funk, just like laying down a groove funk for like 15 minutes. You know, it's I, it's so fascinating. I, that's the one thing about 2021 that like as I've listened this week to to like kind of like the best jams of the year, there's a lot of variety. Like interestingly, you know, they were playing with a lot of like, you know, Trey's obviously using a ton of effects and you can hear like the sci-fi soldier's influence, but the jams don't sound repetitive. There's not like, oh, this sounds like a 2021 jam. To me, they have like a lot of diversity, which is incredible. Well, I almost think like, you know, as we're going to get into the last, uh, the last week of this series, we're going to, or the last, uh, year of the series, we're going to talk about 2022 next week. Um, you know, I'm excited to revisit it just in the context of the series. Cause I didn't love a lot of 2022. And when I think about it now in context of listening to a show like this and in context of listening to so much 2021 fish, it feels like every night they went out there and let it all hang out and they took a bunch mm. of chances and that's not totally sustainable, even for a band as experienced in improvisation as fishes. And you almost hear them like reach the, kind of natural conclusion of what is possible when every single show you're going out there and being like, we're just going to throw this thing on shuffle and see what happens. And it's going to be really wild and really unpredictable and a ton of fun, but we're trying to pick out and like parse out lessons and ideas that we can use in the far in the following years. So I don't know, really excited to like continue exploring how this year has impacted them. But before we do that, we have to cover the second set of this, which is what continues the theme. I remember there was a lot of chatter at this point in time. Is the number set going to be a one set thing? Is it going to be a whole show thing? They come out and they open up with seven below and um, lo and behold, we're in a, a full theme show. Um, do you want to read us the second set? We can dive into that. Yeah, absolutely. So seven below into if six was nine into five years ugh, into two versions of me into NO2 army of one, my sweet one first tube into character zero with an encore of backwards down the number line and grind So we continue the theme from set one. We get 
what did we get? We got five jam charted songs in set one. Here we only get four, so not as cool as set one. Um, no, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Uh, it's a really, really cool wild set. Um, this seven below, I mean, I was looking through this. The best versions of seven below are basically contained to 2.0. It's like 220, mm. uh, 713, it. Uh, Spaco 04, Alpine 04, and then you get these like random scattering of Albany 09, 1128, the Baker's Dozen 721, and 123118 from MSG. Really great underrated version if you haven't heard that. Uh, and then this version, and this one we get like a lot of synths right out the gates from Paige. We get this very beautiful melancholic riffing from Trey around 515. Uh, the move, the jam moves into kind of like this hypnotic chordal jamming. It gets very militaristic. Like Fishman is just like mm -hmm. hanging on the snare drum in a really creepy way. Um, a lot of synthesizers from Paige. It moves to kind of this interstellar space. The Jedi pedal comes in. It gets very dancey. It gets very dreamy. Then it gets like, it ends in this uh, heavy droney shoegaze jam like it's a really diverse jam i think that this and the 46 days ultimately ended up being uh my two favorite moments of the overall show but it's really just cool how a song like this employed in a show like this where a lot of the great versions came from a previous era in fish history this isn't a song that's necessarily been forgotten but it's played like i don't know once every 20 or 30 shows like the biggest mm -hmm. gaps are 40 to 50 shows so like it's never played on a regular basis but when it appears and it has this like spotlight you remember fish can both write huge compositions like fluffhead and then also these like oddity little songs like seven below that feels like it came out of a sound check and births really interesting jamming um curious your thoughts about this seven below and maybe take us into if six was nine as well yeah i agree i think this song has such a vibe to it it's definitely a weird song in the sense that it just doesn't sound, you know, it's not a rock song. It's not a ballad. It's not, it's kind of like in between. And mm -hmm. to me, it is kind of like reminiscent of the 2.0 era and this just like kind of in between space. Yeah. And it, you know, it's never a song that I'm like, Oh, I hope I hear seven below tonight. You know, it's not a song that you're like ever just wanting to hear, but when you hear it, it's always kind of puts you in a mood. And I think this starts off the set in that mood in a really cool way. And like you're saying, leads to this just really interesting jam that goes a lot of places. And I think the the kind of washes of sound that it ends in is like the perfect melt into this if six was nine, like psychedelic journey that you get to go on. Yeah. I love this if six was nine. I just think it's so fun to hear them play this song. You know, you get that kind of like really I love when fish play is like old rock music, like old 60s and 70s, like psychedelic music, because it's so just, it hits just a spot for me. And hearing them play that like synthy swirling over that, and then they peak it and you get that like great rock star peak from Trey and pages on the piano, just like wailing. And then the last five minutes is just total madness that kind of melts into that super contemplative space and just right into five years, which this mm. is the perfect song at this point. I think it's it's sublime. It's transcendent. It's so touching and beautiful and sad and gorgeous. I was listening to this song on my walk home from work today, and I I was just overcome with the emotion that that it brings. And I think that the first 
I actually think this whole beginning of this set is so incredible all the way through even NO2. Like I think after that, it it starts to like play into a little bit of the the gag of having to like play these certain songs in a row. But for some reason, the seven below in, in six, if six was nine, five years, two versions of me, which is gets spacey and has the whale call and has that kind of like weird vibe too. And then to land in NO2, which is, you know, it's only the ninth time the song's ever been played. It's so weird. I've never seen it. It's so fishy. It's so like only fish would ever play this kind of a song. And I'm totally chasing stuff like this now, which I think is because I spend too much time hanging out with you, but it's definitely like weird. Like now I want to hear like Catapult and NO2 and like, you know, all these weird songs, but this is so weird and good and perfect here. And I think that that first chunk of music is, it's a masterpiece, I think, in set listing. Yeah. The stretch from Seven Below to NO2, I'm right there with you. It is, um... And then the fact that it really only is possible because of this, like five years had been Mm -hmm. played one time before the Halloween 2016 show. This is the second time that has been played. Um, Man, like when, when he pauses and then, and says, uh, you know, um, the, the, the verse about um, seeing the girl in the ice cream parlor and he, you know, pauses (laughs) and says, I don't think you knew you'd be in this song. Like that just, that kills me every time I hear it. Um, Like those two, like getting Hendrix into Bowie is just such a, a special thing that that can happen with that only fish can kind of really do that and really nail it. If six was nine, like it sounds like fall 97 when Trey is incredibly aggressive. Like I think of the Wolfman's brother from Champagne on 1119. Um, this is just kind of Trey being like, get out of the way. I'm, I've got this. And in fall 2021, he was at a point where he was playing at a level that was it was him and Paige uh, at, at just like a very high yeah. creative level, a very cl- you know clear understanding of each other. Fishman was absolutely tearing things apart uh, during this year. It's just it's a very heavy fifteen minutes worth of jamming. Um, but you know, kind of what we're talking about here with like this segment of the show, it got me thinking about just how insane fall twenty twenty one was from a set listing standpoint, and yeah. you, you combine. 1016, the San Francisco show that has that huge Carini encore that um, uh, has a simple midway through set one that is really beautiful and wild. 1020 from Eugene, some really interesting jamming throughout there. You get energy opening things up. You get split open and melt in the end of session, back in split open and melt. Huge uh, Ruby waves in set two. 1023, Chula Vista, you know, we get the uh fluffhead uh we get the nicu jamming we get bye bye foot mm. returning we get a huge free we get a giant piper we get a amazing uh sense and subtle sounds 1026 from santa barbara where we get 20 minute pebbles and marbles opener the second jammed out sample uh, and then we get this like very cool suite of songs in set two and then the following night after this which we we're not talking about but i know jonathan it was like uh. i we could potentially talk about this where you get a 20 minute axilla two, you get a huge mm-hmm. mic groove in the first set. You get tweezer twice in the second set. Um, they kind of just could do anything set listing wise during this. And we hear this during this first segment of, of um, the second set. The only other thing I wanted to just say quickly is this two versions of me. So the song has only been played eight times. This is the first time that it was played in 436 shows. The previous time was 112709. Um, 
2021 is known for a lot of things with fish. One of the things that doesn't get as much love is that they played their ballads perfectly all year. Um, like Lonely Trip, it feels like just inspired the band in a way to really mm. lean into the ballads from an emotional standpoint. Um, I saw a farmhouse at Dick's that like, I still think about it, it was so, so beautiful. Um, but this one, it immediately sounds like these classic 2021 ballads. And then around 425, it moves into the minor key kind of gets into this very loose jazzy type of jam. It sounds like a sound check. It ends up in like a Casvo Vox type of jamming, like very weird and Scandinavian and kind of bouncy and synthy. And as you noted, that goes into NO2. Um, this is the first time NO2 has been played since 9615, which was a gap of 193 shows. Um, you get this really cool, like sirens and just very gorgeous build. Like they're jamming NO2. They're not just giving you the NO2, um, they're giving you synths. There's like Zuropa type uh, effects from Trey around two minutes and 20 seconds. And then it fades out almost like end of session. And we move into the final portion of the show here. Um, what are your highlights here towards the back end of the second set? And as we move into the encore. I think in Army of One, Trey's tone just sounds so good. And that just stood out to me. Like this is, he just sounds beautiful and effortless throughout this whole show, but especially there. I thought my sweet one had wild, like fun energy. It just sounded so like a hey! right? yeah, it sounded like an early 90s version of the song. Like the way they used to yeah. play this when I heard it, like when I used to listen to tapes, like just like super fast, really fun, really vibrant. I thought that was really fun. And I think First two in character zero, like you kind of knew they were going to be there and they were great. But those, I think Army of One and My Sweet One were really fun. This first tube I really love. Like this is, we get at 550-ish, we get like this driving riff from Trey. It moves beyond the first tube theme, gets into like a blissy space. We get seven below teases at one point. Uh, it moves into kind of like this discordant jam segment. And then you get synthesizers. You get the tremolo from, from Trey, one of my favorite effects that he uses. They don't even bother finishing first tube. It just goes into character zero. Perfect way to mm -hmm. end it with zero. We get some sludgy fun in the overall buildup before moving into the encore. Um, Jonathan talked about this. You mentioned this, um, you know, when they sing, let's, you know, backwards down the number line, the crowd goes wild. It's a really... I mean, we've, we are huge number line stands at this podcast. The, the number line hate is not welcome here at this podcast. There is no way that we are listening to fish in 2023 without this song being written for Trey. It is emotive. It makes me think of my friends. It makes me think of all these great memories and to have it be played at the show. You get both, <clears throat> excuse me, you get both like the thematic nature of it of, okay, we went back. We literally went backwards down the number line, but also this heartfelt, like, signal that this show was special the show meant something we both felt it on stage you guys felt it out in the crowd everyone watching at home um and then the grind uh where they count down all of their songs with the grand total being 4680 digits which what does it mean who knows on on october 28th we don't know what it means um what were your thoughts on just kind of the overall conclusion of this show and kind of last thoughts on the show as it is I think it's kind of a perfect example of how much thought they were putting into their shows at this time. I think that yeah. there was a sense of reckless abandon. I don't know if reckless is the right word, but a sense of like freedom when they were playing and jamming, but also like a really intense thoughtfulness, which 
I was thinking about this when you were talking before we started to talk about second set. It probably isn't sustainable to be like working this hard at putting shows together, you know, to be yeah. creating new music for sci-fi soldier, to be creating a, a show at that level. And also to be producing all these thoughtful set lists and remember, you know, think digging through and playing these songs they haven't played in so long again. And like, there's just a lot of work that went into this and, those shows always feel so special. I think that's, you know, before we went live, you were saying this is our third Vegas show in the series. And like, I think that's why these shows in Vegas are often very thoughtful and very, a lot of time is put into them. And I wonder if that was unsustainable for 22. You know, I think they have all that build up. They're doing all that work. It's exhausting. And then to maintain that is just tough, especially when you're not working towards the Halloween album. I think these Halloween albums just always seem to result in, incredible music from the band leading up to it. Yeah. We found out at some point, um, I think it was in the build up to the Halloween show. It, it was right around there that, um, they had written those songs prior to even going out on tour that they were part of sound checks. Mm -hmm. And it suddenly like made the year make sense in reverse. You know, initially you thought like, well, they're just inspired because they're back and they have these new toys, but there was almost this like gimmick the band was playing for the entire year. Like they knew what they were going to debut on Halloween. And I think like, maybe we should close on talking about South sci-fi soldiers and their legacy, because I think on the one hand, there's definitely an argument to be made that like a lot of these songs sound like they could use a little bit more time finishing uh, uh, the touches on and kind of giving us a sense of, you know, a little bit more there. I think, you know, there are some songs that have lingered and lasted. Obviously the band loves playing the howling of which I saw a fantastic version at Dick's this year. They enjoy playing, uh, egg in a hole. Um, and I love the howling. Just going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm here for that song. I liked the version that I saw at Dick's. Um, <laughs> there's a really funny video of me, uh, not excited for them starting the howling. And then the jam <laughs> off the howling, I was like, okay, I give up. Uh, this was amazing. Um, they love playing, uh, don't doubt me, but a lot of these songs, like they just played the ninth cube for the first time this fall mm -hmm. since, uh, sci-fi soldiers, um, Thanksgiving. I remember really liking the inner reaches of outer, the unwinding, um, uh, knuckle bone broth Avenue, I thought was a really cool song. That's like, fun. I, I feel a really fun song i mm -hmm. saw them play clear your mind which like kind of worked i don't know i feel like um i feel like if they put a little bit more time into these songs and we got a few more versions like the version of the howling from dicks it yeah. would have a little bit of a better you know uh, there'd be a little bit more nostalgia for this show because this is mm. the final show in front of fans, um, you know, from 2021. W what are your thoughts on, on these songs and kind of where they're at? You know, I think I'm on record as saying I don't love the sci-fi soldier song and I'm going to stand by that. You know, I like sure. some of them. I, I love the howling. I think it's super fun. I've heard it, you know, on the floor at MSG, you know, and it was just a dance party madness. I love it. I think that some of the other songs, I think Knuckle Bone Broth Avenue is cool. Some of the unwinding, some of those are really cool, but I think some of the songs really are super playful and almost 
too inside jokey. Like they're just them saying funny shit to each other, which listen, that <laughs> that's definitely like what, what we want the band to be having fun as we always talk about. Sure. But like, sometimes it's like, is this song really a song is, you know? Yeah. I think it needs, they need to be like turned into something or just played more and, and maybe, I don't know, tightened up, but they're not my favorite songs. I think I started to listen to the set again this week. And then I was like, no, I think I'd rather listen to like, you know, an ICU Piper from Chular. You know, like there's other things from this year that I'd rather listen to, but I do need to revisit it just to see. But yeah, it's not my favorite. Yeah, no, and I get it. I think it, it like a lot of things, it, it, it serves a purpose uh, mm-hmm. for, for where the band was at. Like it, it seems to, the sounds that were emanating from these songs seems to inspire the band. And I just remember watching the set and being like, oh my God, these are all the jamming sounds from 2021. Yeah. Um, which is kind of a cool thing that that has lingered and that has left, you know, we got the same sort of thing with Cosmo Vox where they took a lot of the grooves from what would have been the curveball jam, um, the late night set and turned those into songs. Some of those songs have worked a little bit better than these sci-fi soldier songs, but you know, it's uh, you, you got to take the good with the bad with the experimentation. Um, I think lastly, you know, your point about 2022 this year, I think more than any other year reminds me of, um, both 2017 and 1997, just in the sense that the band mm. was throwing all rules out and were playing both with abandon, but also with intentionality, which is a really cool artistic place to be. They were just letting things happen while also being like, this is the sound and this is the structure that we're going after. And that isn't totally sustainable. At some point, you do kind of mm-hmm. have to take a step back, examine where you are, uh, play to other strengths within your catalog. And we will see, as we're going to talk about next week, a lot of big themes from 2021 moved into 2022. And some things worked, some things didn't work. And then they did the same thing, brought new themes into 2023, which has been uh, a really interesting year all the same. So this was kind of a reset. This was kind of a peak that was, was just like a fascinating um period in time in the band's history and i'm so glad that we got to talk about it anything else that you would like to say about 2021 yeah i think just that idea of like if the band making really weird music results in this kind of a of a year of of jams then i'm totally on board and i'll take all the weird music yeah like if that's what has to be done to get them to get this place i'm happy with it let's do it and i think we should end by playing um a voicemail that has to do with this show and also some stuff that's coming up so let's get those pulled up okay here we go hi there my name is ben and i live in dc uh, I've been enjoying the 40 for 40 series and want to say thank you to the HFPod team for all the time you put into this. So I understand that the 2021 episode is going to be about the number show in Vegas, uh, 102821, or at least that's what you said at the end of the 2020 <laughs> episode. Yes. Uh, I was not that show, but I want to claim credit for this amazing set list because I predicted it six years earlier or manifested it or whatever you want to call it. Hell yeah. So just, just for fun, I was coming up with various that was posted on Facebook. And here's what I posted on August 16th, 2015. I wrote, uh, here's another themed fish set list, though I think this one only has enough material for one set. The rules, covers are allowed only if fish has played them at least 10 times. Um, and to, to interrupt my pastel for a second, just an aside, um, I put in that arbitrary rule about covers because 
I felt like it would be making it too easy for myself if I could just put in any song by anyone. But at the same time, I, I couldn't make this list and not include 2001, which is a cover. <laughs> so I just, uh, came up with, with uh, that rule for, for this purpose. Uh, but so here's the set list. Well, that's I a good rule. Uh, backwards Science. down the number line into 2001, 555 into 46 days, 20 years later, seven below, two versions of me, my sweet one, character zero. Uh, and this is a friends-only wow. post, so no one saw it except my Facebook friends. Most of them are not fish fans. And then fast forward six years, and they did it. Um, not exactly the same. Of course, when fish did it, it was two full sets, and they included a, a bunch of covers. Uh, of course, they're fish, so they're not bound by anyone else's rules. They can do what they want. Uh, and they played backwards down the number line in the encore rather than at the beginning, but I think I was still pretty close. So uh, what happened, I don't know, maybe one of my Facebook friends shared this with the band, Probably. or maybe I have psychic powers, or most likely we came up with the idea independently, but who can really <laughs> say? Uh, so now we're almost Nobody at can. the end of 2023, and I'm excited to be headed to New York next week for the New Year's run. And now that I have a successful track record of predictions, I came up with another theme set list. So this one was inspired in part by the 12184 show at Nectar's where for listeners who aren't familiar, they played uh, Scarlet Begonias into Fire by Jimi Hendrix and then into Fire on the Mountain. Uh, so I don't know if this uh, actually works musically, but it looks cool on paper. And this time I threw in one cover because why not? So here we go. Uh, set one opens with Set Your Soul Free into Free, and then a bust out of Windora Bug into Bug, uh, The Dogs into Dogs Stole Things, Cool Amber and Mercury into Mercury, and ruby waves into waves. Set two is ghost into ghosts of the forest, the birds into birds of a feather, the man who stepped into yesterday into yesterday, Beatles cover. Okay, so sadly it gets cut off there, but how fun is that? It's amazing. I, I think that's I a great call. What a play on words. Um, <clears throat> what would that be, like the palindrome show? Uh, yeah. know, there's, there's, there's <laughs> something about that, 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 that's very whimsical and I, I love it. Um, that's that Scarlet fire fire is, is a ton of fun. Um, you should definitely check that out, but, um, yeah, that's a great call. And, and just as someone who used to spend his time writing, uh, weird fish set list down that the band would never <laughs> play. It's amazing. The idea that the band actually played, Right. more or less the show that he wrote down in 2015 that was cool thank you so much for that voicemail thanks so much for the love and uh we appreciate you all um and with that we're going to i mean i think you and i could sit here and talk for another three hours about 2021 probably what an amazing year um so glad that you were able to join the podcast that that year it has been a total total ride so much fun ever since then um and i'm just glad that not only did we get fish back in 2021 but we also got this version of fish back it's been just amazing yeah. uh this week to go back and re-listen to this as we've done over the last year as we've gone through this series we have one more 40 for 40 before we close the chapter close the book on it um We'll be talking 2022 next week. We don't know what we're talking about at this point in time because mm -hmm. the person picking that show is on vacation and has not told us what we are talking about, um, which, you know, is okay for now. It's Thursday. We, we, we got a little bit of time, but I'm hoping that we get uh, an idea of what we're going to be talking about here soon. You guys will all be in New York by the time I think that we 
do our next episode. I don't even know. The days are all... It's very confusing days to right now. Yeah, it's everywhere. But I'm sad that it's almost over. I have to say, this has been the most incredible project. And I'm just sad that next week's our last our last week. Ooh, Bethel night too. It's going to be hard. I had I had a lot of fun on 2022 and saw a lot of fish. So I'm really excited to see what, what RJ picks. I have some funny stories about the fish shows that I decided to see <laughs> yeah. in 2022 because it did not work you, out as well for me. <laughs> no, I feel like I happen to see really great shows and you happen to see the not really great shows. Yeah, we flipped. I should have been at Bethel Night too. Let's uh let's just yeah. I'll just put that out there. That was uh that was a, a show I should have been at. Um really, really excited though to dive into that. Thank you everyone for hanging with us here today. Hope you all are uh feeling good, feeling festive ahead of the holidays coming up. Hope everyone is safe, healthy, gets to be with family and friends, and um has a, has a good time over the next couple of days. We will see you next week, not only for the coverage of 2022 fish, but also uh, Megan and RJ will be live. Give us one more time uh, in New York City. What's going on? Yeah, 1229 Hill Country Barbecue, 3 o'clock doors, 330 HF Pod Live. Me, RJ, Mike Greenhouse from Relics, and Benji Eisen and the Dude of Life Band. Come hang with us. Will Benji be sharing any further uh, jam band rumors, uh, salacious and or otherwise? Well, he has been on the email chain that I've been on with him. So I he he might, you know, I think if you pull Benji in a corner at that event, you could probably get some good some good info. It's gonna dish the goods. Gonna dish yeah. the goods. Um well, uh excited to to hear your guys' show and excited for us. We're gonna all get back together. Uh, after the new year yeah. to talk MSG 2023. Four more fish shows this year. Four more fish shows. Awesome. Um, Can't wait. And then we're going to be kicking off our top 25 series. So lots of stuff coming up. You guys all uh, enjoy the holidays. Be safe. Be healthy. We will talk to you all soon. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks, Brian. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little a little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers, 
think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind podcast. Hello, everybody. I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street.